1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefei, on vSAN, the sports betting network.
3: Welcome back. It is our number two of the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefei hanging out at the vSAN studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi in the great state of New Jersey. Fun first hour, jam-packed first hour uh it was really good thank you to our guest jp finley of nbc sports washington he helped us break down the commanders and then mo egger in the last segment of espn 1530 in cincinnati Uh, we had a fun first hour we'll have a fun second hour as well carl jig jack johnson the sportsbook manager at the beau Rivage in biloxi will be joining us in 15 minutes but michael let's start hour number two with what's on your mind
4: yeah I think to me, you know, as you go through the daily conversations, you know, and getting past all the hyperbole of who's great and who's not and all this camp stuff, the injuries that you read about, and especially the one in Miami where they, mm-hmm. they trade for Jalen Ramsey at a fairly economic value in terms of compensation for the Rams, for the Dolphins, it didn't cost much. It cost them much when they got him because they had to pay him. But now we see that he's going to be out to at least December, which to me isn't good. And I think this puts a lot of pressure on Xavier Howard, who did not play well. And so Vic Fangio is going to have to adjust. Now, Cam Sutton, their second-round draft pick, he's got to come in and play right away and and feel like, can he contribute to this team? Can he make a difference for them? Because they're going to be corner short. There's no denying it. I mean, that's one of the areas of weakness, especially when they couldn't count on Howard. Remember, they signed Byron Jones to that huge contract, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. And Byron Jones couldn't live up to it, right? And I know he got hurt, but even when he was playing, people went after him. Nobody went after Howard. And then all of a sudden, Howard couldn't run anymore. And Josh Boyer, their then defense coordinator, kept playing press man, and he kept getting beat down the field, which didn't make any sense, but that's what happened. That's why he's not employed any longer. So I think this is significant, this injury defensively to Miami and how Vic addressed. Now, the good part is they got time. Injuries that happened this early – You can overcome. I know you're not going to find another player as good as Ramsey. I get that. Mm -hmm. But at least you have time now to adjust your scheme. You have time now to kind of say, okay, we wanted to be a press man team. We wanted to put Ramsey on the best receiver and double everybody else. That's out the window. Now we're going to need to figure this out.
3: And when you look at their depth chart, there's still a pretty good secondary that they have. I mean, Javon Holland is a guy that we're both high on in that DB room. There, We had the Blue Chips, Red Chips series for the safeties. Javon Holland, one of the best in the league. and Deshaun Elliott, who they bring over. For, I think he was in Detroit last year. He used to be in Baltimore. A little bit older now, but at least a veteran presence there in that DB room. I think they could still get by because of Vic Fangio, but it does... I think at least limit their upside early on in the season. Maybe if Ramsey's able to go and they can get him for the push for the playoff push, and Tua's healthy and all that, they can kind of reach what they thought that they could in this off season. But at least in the interim, right now, it limits their upside. I think defensively.
4: Well, I mean, when you're limited at corner, Femi, I don't know how good you are at safety. When you're limited at corner, it be, you become a zone team. You have to, mm-hmm. right? And Xavier Howard's not a really good zone player. He's not a good off player. Nick, like Vic, Vic likes to play some off coverage. And Kadar Koho the kid that, that was a college free agent last year that made their team is their nickelback. You know, the kid they drafted from, Noah, and I can't say his last name from it, Auburn, their first-round yep. pick has not played well. Noah. They I. signed Kian they signed Kean Crossen as a free agent, but he's a special teams player. Nick Needham is really their nickel player, but he's on PUP. He's not healthy right now. So this secondary, the two concerns you have about Miami, and their significant concerns is their corner situation and their offensive line. Mm. For all the, all the talk about how great they are on offense, and they are explosive, they got two quarterbacks hurt last year, Tua twice and Teddy Bridgewater twice, both concussions. So you got to be really careful here. Are they going to be able to protect? They've done nothing to help their offensive line. Their offensive line, Armstead's on PUP, not surprising, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Connor Williams, they signed as the center uh, uh, last year. Are they going to be good enough up front? I think that's the question
3: mark. What do you make of their week one game? They're going to visit the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, which will be a fun game, Herbert versus Tua. That's always a fun conversation on on the timeline. But right now, Los Angeles is a a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. Do you think this number, because I think this is probably going to close three, just given the Ramsey injury and the closer we get to kickoff, that maybe we get up to Chargers as a field goal favorite there. What do you make of this? Like, Would you like Miami getting a field goal, or would you rather just bet the Chargers right now at minus two-and-a-half?
4: No, I think I like Miami here because I think Fangio is going to make a huge difference. I think Fangio is mm-hmm. going to make a difference in what they do to attack Justin Herbert. We still have to wait and see what the Chargers injury situation, because the one thing we know about the Chargers is they don't stay healthy. Yeah. But I think defensively, what they need to do is a, the Chargers have done nothing defensively to improve themselves, especially with their run defense, right? They really haven't. And so... I mean, I know they signed Eric Kendricks, but the reality here is can they play run and can they stay healthy and can they rush the passer? We know Joey Bosa can. Can Khalil Mack still do it at his age? If you look at what Khalil Mack has done since the great seasons in Oakland, he's trended the wrong way. The one first year in Chicago was great, but since then, it has not been what the media makes it out to be. So uh, I, I think... To me, I I like Miami here because I like Fangio's ability to understand what Kellen Moore's going to do. Remember, let's go back to the game. Denver goes into Dallas. Dallas is really playing well. Mm -hmm. Denver's not playing so good. Vic's the head coach. Took 14 points in the fourth quarter for Dallas to score to make it even a respectable game. Denver dominated that game. Vic understands what Kellen Moore's doing offensively.
3: Yeah, no, he absolutely kicked his tail. In that game. Uh, so that's, we don't need to relive that one because I remember that one very vividly. Sorry, Femi. I apologize <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, we, that, yeah. Let's not open up old wounds here. Well, But see, that's an important game in handicapping. Yeah. And, and it won't get talked
4: about at all during the week. But as a better in a betting network, we have to because that allows you to understand Vic going against the guy he's going to go. So it's a chess match that they played. Mm-hmm. And you can understand he knows what he has to do to stop him. And Vic will do a good job. They still have their front sevens good now. I mean, their front seven is good. And that front seven will put pressure on the Charger offensive line.
3: Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, maybe this gets up to Chargers laying a field goal. Then you can go ahead and take Miami plus the 3 There, obviously that key number of three in betting the NFL. Let's talk Sean Payton, Michael. Uh, I've been waiting to talk about this with you here because Sean Payton had those electric comments to Jarrett Bell over at USA Today criticizing Nathaniel Hackett and the 2022 Denver Broncos. Here's the quote and then we'll play the soundbite here shortly after but Sean Payton had this to say, quote there's so much dirt around that. There's 20 dirty hands for what was allowed, tolerated in the freaking training rooms, the meeting rooms the offense. I don't know Hackett a lot of people had dirt on their hands. It wasn't just Russell. He didn't just flip. He still has it. This BS that he hit a wall, shoot. They couldn't get a play in They were 29th in the league in pre snap penalties on both sides of the ball he later then said that this was one of the worst coaching jobs in nfl history well sean payton has since not really walked back those comments but has kind of apologized here's what he said to denver media yesterday
2: i had one of those
4: moments where i still had my fox hat on and and not my coaching hat on and uh you know i said this to the team in the meeting yesterday we've had a great off season relative to that you know and i've been preaching that message and here i am the veteran um you know stepping in it and uh you know it was it was a learning experience for me. It was a mistake, obviously. I needed a little bit more filter. Um, you know, there's a pound of flesh for these guys, and, and as a coach, you stick up for them. And after a while, you know, we're past that season last year, and and you know, I said what I said, and and obviously, I needed it a little bit more uh, restraint, and uh, I regret that. <laughs> He said what well, he said. Well, my question to you, Femi, before you ask me a question is, when did when he had his Fox hat on at Fox, when did yep. he ever say anything that controversial, right? Never. This was tactical to me. This was completely tactical, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's trying to become the focal point, and he should. He's the leader. And so basically what he was doing was saying, okay, everything that happened in the past is gone. We, we've assigned blame to it. Now, everything that's going to happen in the future, if it goes wrong, it's on me. Because I absolved the players. That's what I've done. I absol- I put it on the former coaching staff. Mm-hmm. They're not here. I felt bad for George Payton because he was sitting in there. He took a lot of shrapnel coming down this deal, the general manager. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is, is this was tactical. Payton did what he wanted to do. This wasn't a fly off the handle. He wanted to start the offseason in the right direction. And he wanted to make sure that the players understand that they can move forward and not have to continually look back because that's what happens in the media. You continually look back. And so what he did was by saying what he said, he put the pressure right on him because people are going to come back if they don't play well and Mm say, hey, Sean, you know, you critiqued the coaching last year, but you're you're not winning this year. See what I'm saying?
3: Mm Mm-hmm and especially they're going to we're looking forward to that game when they play the new york jets i believe it's week four or week five the jets go out to denver i'm sure all week we're going to hear about these comments from sean payton kind of talk about nathaniel hackett hackett then returns to the I, scene of the crime and
4: all that I, stuff I, I don't think he cares i don't think he likes it i mean he likes i think he likes it i think he puts the pressure on him where he wants it it takes it off of the players and no longer is it about is russell washed up it mm. was you got a lot of dirty hands there. And let's face what he said was true. 100%. I mean, it looked poorly coached, right? And I go back to the the uh, how did this happen? I mean, they hire a young coach in Nathaniel Hackett who gets fired in Jacksonville midseason by his good friend Doug Marone. after they gone to the pl- after they're about two plays away from getting to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The next year he gets fired midseason. He goes to Green Bay. He's with Aaron Rodgers and all of a sudden he becomes a head coach. And no one's really there to help him, not George Payton, no one. And so you got a committee, and that's what the, thats what happens. Now you no longer have a committee in Denver.
3: Yeah. Well, I think also what Denver will not tell you is that maybe they hired Nathaniel Hackett in hopes of getting Aaron Rodgers to come to the Denver Broncos. Maybe that was kind of. I, I don't see that. You don't I, think I don't so? buy that rhetoric. I don't know. Why, why, why would you hire him then?
4: <laughs> because he imp- read the comments, he impressed them like crazy in the interview. I mean, they made it clear. I mean, I, I mean that 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 one on one ain't adding up. They liked, they sincerely believed Hackett
3: was a great coach. Read the read the article I tweeted out yesterday. God bless him if that's the case. God bless him. Uh, on the other side, Carl Jig Jack Johnson of the Bo Revives will be joining us here. To talk all things Biloxi. on the other side. This is the Lombardi Line.
4: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Abethathe, on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: It's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside to the Beeson Studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. This is the Lombardi Line presented by Bet MGM, Femi Abebefe, Michael Lombardi out in the great state of New Jersey. Michael, we are back together is what the NFL is yeah. calling it. Training camps underway, all 32 teams. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend here as we're getting ready for uh, the Hall of Fame game next week. Football on the horizon.
4: You know, it's funny how, you know, football just consumes our our world, right? I mean, you know, we've got full coverage of all these training camps and they're, you know, watching players practice and seeing the crowds. I mean, mean, the Jets crowd was remarkable. I saw the crowds up in New England. It's just, you know, people have this incredible appetite to watch it and the sport continues to grow. I think a lot of that, too, Femi, is because – the betting element of it too. It just mm-hmm. it makes people really want to watch more and learn about their team. So what a great time of the year. We don't have to struggle through anything but talk about football right now.
3: Yeah, no, we've made it through all the dog days and all that stuff. Like now the season has officially began. And you talked about the betting element of this stuff. Like that's really impactful. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of folks Really interested in training camp because I think back to about 10, 15 years ago, and it was only like some of us junkies that would be interested in training camp or we'd be interested only about our specific favorite teams. But now it's I'm interested in every single team. All 32. Yeah. I'm like, all right, what nugget can I get from this training camp? What nugget can I get from this training camp that could help me as a better to make better decisions, whether it be in the futures market or week one or that kind of game to game type of stuff? So I think all the coverage, and we, we appreciate all the beat writers and all those people that are out there getting the videos at training camp. Having been that person in the past, uh, it, it is a, a thankless job, but it's a fun job at least. You get to go out there, watch football up close in person, and for putting it on a Twitter timeline, because I smile every time I see football players running around on grass. <sighs>
4: Well, I mean, plus we get, you know, we get past the the, the hyperbole of how great everybody is, and you know, well. this rookie's tremendous and. Anthony Richardson's going to break every passing record as a rookie in the history of football. I mean, so we're kind of get past that a little bit, right? So people, for their own eyes, can evaluate. You know, used to be we had to read the paper, we had a, we had no coverage. So mm-hmm. I think people have a little bit of a skepticism, particularly in the betting market. Are we sure this guy's going to be a good player? Because every time we've read about it, every time we've listened to uh, everybody say this guy's great, when the season starts, uh, not so much.
3: Yeah, uh, I would still. I would say that we're we're not fully past the hyperbole stage because the stuff that I've been reading on Twitter, there's a, oh, lot, a lot, a lot of folks are going to have some big seasons coming up in 2023. So <laughs> <laughs> we're not all the way past yeah. it, but we'll eventually. No, get No, we're there. not <laughs> past it yeah. at all.
4: We're not past it at all. But I'm just. I think part of the interest in watching these camps is to see for yourself. Yeah. Look, fans of a team want to fall in love with the team that they, they can look past the bad. But I think bettors have to do a better job of picking and choosing, you know, about what they see. And are we sure this is correct? Taking the negative attitude. Are we sure he's good? Mm -hmm. You know, are we sure this guy's going to be very good? Are we sure that this is
3: what we're seeing? Because how many times have we been wrong in that area? A million, and we'll be wrong a million more times in the future. That's how it goes. But we do have a fun show on deck for you guys over these next two hours, and we'll talk to some people who are actually have boots on the ground, and they can give us their interpretation of what's going on at their respective training camp. Starting in 30 minutes, J.P. Finley, reporter for the Washington Commanders at NBC Sports. He'll join us 30 minutes from now. Man, Commanders Camp? People are there. They're excited for this team. It's a new day in Washington, as we've spoke about over the last couple of weeks with Josh Harris now as the owner. We'll get JP's thoughts coming up in 30 minutes. Then at 1045 Eastern, 745 Pacific, Mo Egger, radio host in Cincinnati at ESPN 1530. Obviously, the big news out of Bengals camp is Joe Burrow, now out several weeks with a calf strain. We'll talk to Mo about that. And then at 1115 Eastern, 815 Pacific, Carl Jick Jack Johnson, Joins us once again from the Beau Rivage in Paluxy, the sportsbook director out there. But, Michael, let's start with the Joe Burrow news. You've been a general manager before. You've been a front office executive for a number of years. When you see that happen at training camp practice, I would imagine the feeling is almost as if it's like a body blow. Like, oh, my goodness, all this work that we've built up, our season might be done, and we're only a few days into camp. Luckily for the Bengals, we don't think it's going to be that serious. It's just a calf strain. He was out several weeks, but... I mean, that's got to be a very nerve-wracking moment.
4: Yeah, it is. And I think when you first see it and he reaches for his lower body, like Dan Marino, I can remember when Dan Marino uh, in Cleveland tore his Achilles. He just reached down, and all of a sudden, he, he kind of had to get helped off the field. So it's the same thing. Burrow reached down, and then he went right on the ground. Now, we knew he had a sleeve on his calf, so it probably was. But, you know, this is going to derail his summer. Mm. And I'm sure that the Bengals are going to say that you know he's not going to play. He didn't play last preseason. Yeah. So he didn't throw one pass last preseason. So the fact he's going to miss time in terms of the preseason games is insignificant. What's significant is the fact that he is going to miss practice time. And they're going to have to put Trevor Simeon in the game. And they're going to have to put Jake Browning. And I'm sure they're going to have to sign another quarterback because right now they only have two quarterbacks who can practice on the roster. That's not enough. So they're going to have to bring someone else in. And we know this about the Bengals as a betting community. We know they don't start fast, right? Last Mm -hmm. year, five turnovers in the opening game. Burrow didn't play at all in the summer. Mm -hmm. Even though he practiced with the team, he didn't play. So they don't start quickly. They went overtime in the first year. They beat Minnesota. But for the most part, we know that this – I'm shocked that the betting line hasn't moved slightly or ticked a little bit towards Cleveland because of this news. Not that I don't think he's going to play – because I do, but I'm just not sure that this team can be in sync if he's not practicing, because we know even when he practiced, he wasn't in sync last year. They started five and four, right? They get off to a slower start. They build momentum as the season goes on, and he builds momentum.
3: Yeah, and I think intuitively you already kind of liked Cleveland in that game before this all happened. Like we talked about this game about a month or even six weeks ago, and you said that, hey, Cleveland week one, that's an interesting spot given the fact that Cincinnati does start slow under Zach Taylor. They kind of used the first half of the season to kind of start to progress, and then they really ascend in the second half of the season, kind of wanting to finish stronger than what they actually start. But speaking of Zach Taylor, he spoke with the media yesterday to give an update on the status of Joe Burrow and how long he'll be out in training camp.
4: I'll start with Joe. Um, calf strain, it'll take several weeks, and, and that's the information we got right now. Several weeks taking into the regular season, potentially? Several weeks to several
1: weeks. How much? Great. T- how much time with Joe at camp or practice would he need to be ready for you comfortably? Joe got what? more days
4: this July than he's ever had in the NFL, and so I feel really good about the, the progress we made
3: during those July practices with Joe. And uh, when he's able to get back, we'll, we'll be able to get working with him. How's
4: Did Joe doing personally right
3: now? Good. Joe's always – he always takes some stride. And he's the same guy every day. Mm, several weeks is several weeks. And more. more reps,
4: more reps than he got at any other time in July. Wow, that's shocking to know. That's hard to believe, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, that's hard to believe. I mean, they only been practicing since how long? They don't play in the that's Hall they? of Fame game, so <laughs> – that means the last summer he was vaca- – was he putting s- suntan
3: lotion on? Was he the Coppertone baby? What was going I mean, on? He, I mean, I don't he, understand. He had the appendectomy. So he, he had the appendectomy. So I guess maybe that's why he was not able to get the yeah. reps. But I was like, like, what about the season leading up to his rookie year? I'm pretty sure he got more reps that summer than he did this summer.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I would think so. Now, you remember uh, the one year coming off the ACL tear that he probably didn't get a lot. But, look, here the fact is they start slow. And even more so this year because – you know, the strength of their team typically is their ability to play great defense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so what? But, but they've got a lot of moving parts in their secondary. Dak Hill will now assume the strong safety got, job, the first round pick from Michigan last year, you know, because we they've lost Von Bell, they lost Jesse Bates, and when you watch them play defensively, those two guys were the communicators of the defense. They were able to, you know, organize everything. Now they've got Nick Scott in there. Will Jordan Battle end up beating out one of these guys for the starting role? He was a third- pick from Alabama this year so you know when you look at the secondary particularly it's got to be a little bit of a concern when you're going and you're starting with younger players or players who don't have as much experience and then with your quarterback situation not getting the reps so look I I don't expect him to miss the opener I just not saying he's going to play the opener
3: Mm -hmm. like he typically would play the conference championship game and to your point he missed a lot of time last year with the appendectomy didn't get those reps in training camp and he didn't look like himself week one against Pittsburgh. Now give Pittsburgh credit. That's also a really good defense. Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, those guys were making plays in that game. But you're facing a really good defense once again this week one on the road now at Cleveland in a rivalry game, that in state rivalry. And we have seen at some places uh this line has ticked in favor of the Browns. I'm seeing a one on the yeah. board. There's a one and a half as well, but I, I think for the it most was, part we're it probably was two and a the half board. at one yeah. time. Yeah, it, was I mean, it was
4: two and a half there. I, I thought the
3: line would move. I thought the line would move. I
4: wouldn't be surprised that the Thursday before this game, if it's if it's down to one in the circuit contest or in mm-hmm. any contest that you look at, I always look at those contest lines. They lock them in on Thursday as an indication of where they think the line's going to go for Sunday because they've got to do a good job of predicting. That's It's kind of a peak look into the Sunday line, mm-hmm. and we'll see if it moves, but We know they start slow. It doesn't mean they're not going to be a good team. It doesn't mean that Joe Burrow is not. But they've got a lot of new offensive line, right? they got Orlando Brown going to play right tackle, a left tackle. they got John O'Williams who's going to play right tackle, which is an interesting change because Williams is not a powerful guy. The one thing teams always would do to him is power him back. And at the right tackle position, he's going to get powered back. So we'll see how that all manifests itself once they get through training camp. And then we also know this. Zach Taylor was very, very aware of this summer, this spring. They didn't do very much. I mean, they were one of the few mm-hmm. teams that didn't do
3: much OTA days. Yeah. I, I don't even think, weren't they one of the teams that didn't have an OTAs? I believe. I, mean, I don't it, think they did. Yeah. I, mean, I think they just I had a think mini don't think they kick. did. Yeah. So. Yeah. So
4: backup quarterback, Trevor Simeon's not had a lot of reps in this offense. And let's face it. They're an 11 personnel team, which puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they're an 11 personnel team. They don't really run the ball very much. They want to be able to throw it. They use Burrow's skill, which is extremely talented, to manifest their offense, to move it forward. Uh, You know, I think you have to adjust a little bit without Burrow. I don't think you can run the Burrow offense with
3: Trevor Simeon. I can promise you that. Real quick, and we'll talk more about this on the other side, if we expect Cincinnati to start slow, should we bet on one of the other three teams to win the AFC North? Try to grab a good number now and maybe go ahead and corner the market. We'll discuss that next here on the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Bebefei, on v the sports betting network.
3: The NFL betting guide is out now, and our college football guide drops next week. Get previews and predictions for every Division I team and conference best bets on futures and season win totals, plus an in-depth breakdown of how you can use our betting splits and power rankings to make you a smarter better this season. Sign up before the end of July and receive both guides and full VSIM Pro access all the way through the Super Bowl at an early bird discount of $175. Or Sign up on a monthly subscription and get your first 30 days for only $19 to see everything VEASAN has to up your betting game. Remember, this offer ends July 31st. That's two days away. So don't miss out on these preseason deals. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe to take advantage of these special offers and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Weeks away, college football begins. My goodness. Welcome back. This is the Lombardi Line presented by Bet MGM. Femi and Michael Lombardi. J.P. Finley of NBC Sports covers the Washington Commanders out there in D.C. He will be joining us 15 minutes from now from Commanders Park. He is at training camp right now, so we'll get J.P.'s thoughts on the Commanders coming up here in the next segment. But uh, I wanted to ask you, Michael, because we were talking about Joe Burrow and the Bengals and how they tend to start slow whether there's an injury or not. But now that we do have this calf injury baked in, is there a team that you would want to bet on? Because looking at BetMGM's odds to win the NFC, or AFC North, excuse me, Baltimore's plus 220, Cleveland's four to one, Pittsburgh's plus 450. Is there a number that you think that we should grab now to where maybe mid-season we can come back and get the Bengals at a much better price?
4: I, I, would, I was always, I, I've been on a Browns bandwagon here, you know, because I think that they've got a really good team. And I can't believe that what we saw in Deshaun Watson last year is who Deshaun Watson is. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can make fun of the $257 million contract that he got fully guaranteed by the Browns, but the tape was the reason he earned that contract. There were three teams that would have liked to have him uh, without the circumstances off the field. And so I, I just don't think that was an aberration. I think last year was. So to me, I think the Browns are going to be much improved defensively. Mm-hmm. They'll be able to stop the run, which is one thing Jim Schwartz, as the defensive coordinator, does a really good job of, is making the opponent play left-handed, take away one element of the game. And I think ultimately they'll be a good team. I, I, I have Cincinnati go into the Super Bowl. Because I think Cincinnati gets in, but I'm not sure you can start five and four with as many good teams in the north as they have. I mean, Pittsburgh's not an easy out either now. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to dismiss Pittsburgh. I, I wrote about it. You know, why doubt Mike Tomlin? Why doubt him? I mean, last year, when you look at them over the la- after the bye week, and all we do is talk about how great these, the Lions team was, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we have a fairly good comparison between the Lions and the Steelers. Both teams in consecutive weeks played the Carolina Panthers, right? Carolina played Pittsburgh. That wasn't even a game. Pittsburgh beat them up. It was truly a butt kicking. And they couldn't run the ball on Pittsburgh. They couldn't really make any plays. And Pittsburgh dominated the game and won. The next week, Detroit comes in. And Carolina dominated that game. So in the comparison, everybody wants to talk about Detroit. No one wants to talk about Pittsburgh. Because they're not sexy. Because they're not flamboyant. Because their offense is what boring. Right? And oh, Pickett's not very good. They only committed two turnovers the second half of the season after the bye week. Think about that. Two in nine games. Wow. And they were very effective. So I, I don't dismiss them either here. I think they're going to be a tough out. They've got two really good rushers in Highsmith and Watt. Their secondary adding Patrick Peterson I think will help. He played well last year. And Having Minka Fitzpatrick as the free safety, they're around the football. I think Pittsburgh's had a really good offseason, and I think you can't overlook them
3: yeah no I agree with you on Pittsburgh I was hoping that Pittsburgh would make the playoffs last year unfortunately the Dolphins beat the Jets in that week 18 game which kept the Steelers out of the playoffs because I thought Pittsburgh would have been a dangerous team the way that they were playing at the end of last season they were really good especially defensively with T.J. Watt back in the fold Minka Fitzpatrick we've discussed those guys uh, ad nauseum Uh, before we get to Jalen Ramsey here I want to ask you about this other breaking news that we've just seen in the afc east this is not a transaction but it's a visit and i think it's interesting this is from field yates over at espn and it's reported from our guy jordan schultz who is an nfl insider at the score that the patriots are hosting free agent running back ezekiel elliott today yeah so they brought in dalvin cook now zeke elliott's coming in
4: well i think they know they need another runner and i've been saying this i think dalvin cook's money kind of got away from him a little bit in terms of that. But Zeke Elliott will, you know, comes in there. Now, they both have the same – Ramondo Stevenson and Zeke Elliott have the same agent, which Mm. always presents a problem because when you look at it on the surface, you say, well, how's this going to work out, right? You know, if he he doesn't want to put the kid there, if not. But I do think with Zeke, you know, they're going to need somebody in that red zone to help them. One of the areas where I think if you really study New England's football team last year and and get away from the Matt Patricia rhetoric and get away from how bad the offense was, where they really lost games, they lost four games because of their inability to play well in the red zone, offensively and defensively. Where they lost games was their inability to get off the field on third down defensively and stay on the field there. But the red zone is really what their concern is. And Zeke's 12 run touchdowns last year is huge for them. Right. Mm -hmm. They're going to need a power back. Now, in talking to people about Zeke, that he was he played most of the year injured. Uh, And I don't know where the injury occurred, but he wasn't 100 percent, which looked like he didn't have the same burst. And Pollard just made him look slower and slower and slower. Mm -hmm. But he's a power runner. And I think New England needs a power runner. I think they can't wear and tear Stevenson down. So. Depending on whether they can get a contract on their terms, what they like, I I think that's something that they want to do. I've been saying all along, the backup runner for New England is a critical position because Stevenson's so good. And for all the conversation about Mac Jones' bad last season, his percentage of interceptions was 2.5 as a rookie. It was 2.5 last year. He turns the ball over too much for a guy who's too smart. And especially in those red zone areas. And I think ultimately what they have to be is very good running the football. The best teams in the red zone run it; they can run it. I mean, mm-hmm. look at Detroit last year; they ran the ball in the red zone. I mean, Williams had what, 15 touchdowns last year? I mean, now he he's got more than New that. Orleans? Yeah, <laughs> he had the, seventeen the Lions record. Yeah. I think he had 17, right? Yeah. So you, you know, you got to be able to run the ball. Zeke had 12. And, and watch the giant tape, okay? The giant game on Sunday night there when it's third and one from the one and he breaks two tackles and gets in the end zone. That's kind of what you need to have. I, I, I don't, do not believe Zeke's the same player he once was, mm-hmm. but I still think Zeke is. If he's healthy and what we saw last year was injury-related, I think he'll help.
3: Yeah, I think Zeke, he got hurt, I believe, in the Detroit Lions game. It was like almost like a hyperextended knee. Then he missed the next week against Chicago, and Pollard had the big game against the Bears. And then Zeke came back, but he was never quite himself. And the last couple of years, he's been dealing with injuries, which we know running backs at this stage in their career, they tend to deal with those injuries. But if you reduce Zeke's role, maybe he's able to stay healthier. But my question to you, Michael, is that, don't you think Zeke and Ramondre Stevenson, aren't they too close to what they are as, as their skill set wise? I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, I think is more explosive, but they're both kind of power backs so like being able to break tackles like that. Like, like, don't you think they're a little bit similar?
4: I think Stevenson could do everything. I mean, I think he's a really good receiver. And I've been saying this for three years now, when they paid Zeke, I had no issue with it because I thought Zeke was a weapon. I th- Over the years with the joystick, my man Kellen Moore never Mm -hmm. used Zeke in the passing game. I mean, the guy had 17 targets last year. Guy's got great hands. 17 catches, I'm sorry. Guy's got great hands. And he can run more than screens and flats. He can run routes. I think they could actually play Stevenson and Zeke at the same time. Stevenson is a very good route runner. Stevenson's very good catching the football. Both can block really well. You know, one of the things when you watch Barkley – for all the conversation and how Barkley's a great runner, and he is a really good runner, mm-hmm. but he still struggles in pass protection. He still struggles catching the football consistently. And so, you know, when you can get a back that can do more than just flats and screens in the passing game, that can help. And I think what you'll see there is you'll be able to see them play. If they if they sign Zeke, you'll be able to see them play them both at the same time. I I, I think that's what they need. And one thing you need is somebody to run the ball in the red zone. Remember, Stevenson fumbled that ball in the red zone against Cincinnati or they win that game.
3: Yeah, and Zeke was an elite short yardage back for the Cowboys over the last handful of years. I'll ask you this, though, because the Patriots also brought in my guy playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette. So would you rather have Zeke Elliott or Leonard Fournette here in 2023? I would rather have Zeke. Do you know what kind of shape Leonard was in, Femi? (laughs) He was in TV shape. I saw him on Good Morning Football earlier this summer. (laughs) Yeah, I
4: think that's right. I think those scales got tipped in a bad direction. Oh, no. Let me just put that out there. Oh, yeah. no.
3: That's that's what's going on? <laughs> Playoff well, Lenny. Well, look, I mean,
4: look, you know, I eat because I'm unhappy and I'm unhappy because I eat. I think that might apply to Leonard
3: Fournette. That's too bad. That's too bad. But he, maybe he'll be ready for the playoffs because they call him Playoff Lenny. He's got to play himself well, into it's gonna, shape. You
4: know, he's going to have to get, like me, he's going to have to get on that diet and get going and get away and put do the push-ups away from the table, you know? But, you know, look. Uh, I think, you, you know, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. Being a fat running back doesn't mean you're going to get a job.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's not a a good combination. But once again, the New England Patriots hosting free agent running back Ezekiel Elliott today on a visit. We'll see if something gets done. They've been in discussions with Dalvin Cook. Cook has had a visit with the New York Jets. Maybe that's what's led to Zeke Elliott now going into the visit over at Foxborough. We'll be tracking that all throughout the weekend. But on the other side, J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington joins us to talk commander's camp here on the Lombardi Line.